Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for the privilege of seeing the first wet day in the month of April. We thank you for the privilege that you have given us to see the third day in the second quarter of this year 2019. We thank you, Father, because you've been the one watching over us and preserving us. We are what we are and who we are by a product of your mercy and your grace. We thank you for food on our tables. We thank you for clothes on our backs. We thank you for shelter over our heads. We thank you for the last day of this solemn assembly. We thank you, Father, because all that you have ordained for every man and every woman for this second quarter will not elude them in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare that even as you have said concerning us in this second quarter, that every man and every woman con connected to this house will of a truth experience multiplied increase in the name of Jesus. Increase in our finances, increase in our businesses, increase in our careers, uh, social increase, spiritual increase. And everywhere we turn to in this second quarter, all we're going to see will be increased in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Are we excited to be in church tonight? I want you to welcome someone to your left and to your right. Tell them you're welcome to church tonight. I would encourage us to please move forward. Please let's make sure we do that. Let's try and move forward. Alright. Ask them how was your day, how's your week been, how's the month been? Let's ask them, let's do that. Ask someone how was your week, how has work been? I hope it's been a good one. Amen. Amen, amen. Alright, before I go into the work tonight, I want us to pray. Um, the Bible says we should not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy, Right? And um, you and I know, I hope that um, we fasted in the last three days as it was instructed on Sunday. Because the Bible says we should not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Every time you want to start out something, Jesus said, right, when people questioned him and his disciples that why is it that they are not fasting? And Jesus said something very instructive. He said, when the bridegroom is taken away, then the people will have to fast. And Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. And you and I need to understand that our fasting is more than a hunger strike. Right? Um, if all you do is just to go off food, and there is no praying or the study of the word, what you have simply done is medical detoxification. Because even in medical science, they will tell you that there are times that you need to stay off food. I remember recently I was watching someone. That's not the first person I would hear say that anyway. There's this guy that I've had say that before. Some of us might know him, Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss said that. Is, I don't even think he's a Christian. Tim Ferriss said that because we asked him, he said, what has made you successful? And he said, one of the reasons is because in the last couple of years, he has fasted for minimum one day every week. Minimum of one day every week. And I remember a dear woman of God in this country, if I mention her name, okay, I think it's Mommy Adejimo, let me just mention her name, right? She said she was on board a flight, right, going to the U.S. sometimes ago. And um, when they brought all the things, you know, the food um, on, on board the plane, that she just kept telling them that, don't worry, I'm fine. So she noticed that someone else too, sitting beside her was doing the same thing. So she looked at the person and said, oh, are you fasting? She said, yes. I said, oh, I'm also fasting. 
And he said, oh, that's a good one. And something just told that to probe further. He said, why are you fasting? I said that we are fasting to destroy the works of the church all over the world. Apparently, the person belonged to the church of Satan. So even in the church of Satan, they are fasting. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? So a believer will say fasting. That's why Jesus said when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He says when. So it's a question of when. It's a question of timing. It simply means there must be a time, right, that you allot to taking out time to spend in the presence of God in prayer and fasting. Alright, so tonight we're going to start out by praying from Proverbs, sorry, Psalms 5 and verse 12. Psalms 5 and verse 12. We all know that scripture by now, I hope. Psalms 5 and verse 12. Psalms 5 and verse 12. The Bible says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. It says, With favor you will surround him as with a shield. So tonight we're going to ask for a fresh release of God's favor upon us, even in this second quarter. In the course of the month, I'm going to be talking about favor. I don't know when, but I'm going to be doing a detailed analysis of the subject of favor. Why we need favor right how to command favor and the evil as it were of not experiencing favor favor is something that we must consistently crave for every day of our lives so we're going to start out tonight by saying father let there be a fresh release of your favor upon me in this second quarter in the name of jesus shall we open up our mouth and begin to pray tonight father in the name of jesus According to your word in Psalms 5 and verse 12. You said you will bless the righteous. And with favor you will surround him as with a shield. Father I ask tonight. That you will cause your favor to rest upon me afresh. Like never before in the name of Jesus. Let there be a fresh release of your favor. Upon me. Upon the works of my hands. Upon every member of the gateway church. A fresh release of favor in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we receive a fresh release of your favor. Favor on the job. Favor in our going out. Favor in our coming in. In the name of Jesus. A fresh release. Favor for this season. In the name of Jesus. Favor to fulfill our dreams. Favor for the speedy accomplishment of destiny. In the name of Jesus. According to your word. Father, let there be a fresh release of your favor. In the name of Jesus. We receive your favor tonight. We receive your favor tonight. We receive your favor tonight. Upon every man, upon every woman, upon every boy, upon every girl, upon every business person, upon every career person. We ask for a fresh release of your favor. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's open our Bibles very quickly to Acts 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. Acts 2 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. The Bible says, Praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. 
So the increase that the first church experienced was on the platform of God's favor. God has said to us that this season, the next quarter, the second quarter of this year, is a season of multiplied increase. Favor is one of the things that makes increase effortless. You can experience increase through ad labor. But there is nothing like experiencing increase on the platform of God's favor. And therefore tonight we are going to ask for favor for increase. In this second quarter of 2019. Favor for increase in our businesses. Favor for increase in our careers. Favor for increase in our work with God. Favor for increase in our finances. Come and open up your mouth tonight and begin to pray. Begin to pray for favor increase specifically ask for favor favor that culminates in increase come and begin to place a demand on that favor tonight oh shakeki baba yerebosa favor that culminates in increase we receive tonight in the name of jesus for the second quarter of the year 2019 we receive favor for increase Aha. favor for increase Favor for effortless increase in the name of Jesus. Favor for effortless increase in the name of Jesus. Ematekele babarose telianda. Shiga bakato limandele boratekiba. Yele barontala ba yele kidiosa taya. Favor for multiplied increase. Ha ha. Hey, la basonta yadaba. So increase favor. For social increase, favor. For material increase, favor. For financial increase, favor. Oh, for enterprise increase, favor. On the job. Oh, we receive tonight. In the name of Jesus. We receive your favor tonight, oh God. We receive your favor tonight, oh God. Kali botali baba yerebosa le predeshen de de kido sabayarabase le breaking do la bayenda la bashata kayerebose favor for increase that in the second quarter every man every woman is stepping into multiplied increase in the name of Jesus in Jesus name we have prayed lastly tonight the Bible says in Psalms 125 and verse 2 it says as the mountains are round about Jerusalem so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever in Psalms 91 the Bible says a thousand shall fall by your side and ten thousand by your other side it said but no evil shall befall you neither shall any plague come near you I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday right I saw a post um, about a guy I know some of us might have seen it um, that was maybe mistakenly right attacked by sas officials and they killed the boy they killed the boy right maybe that's a fault of the government whatever we don't that's not the subject that's not the reason why i brought that up the reason why i'm bringing that up is that in this second quarter i want us to pray and every one of us will enjoy supernatural protection that we are going to be late for tragedy in the name of jesus that in this second quarter every member of the gateway church is protected in our going out and our coming in we are protected our lives are preserved our properties are secured nothing shall be lost in the name of jesus 
Let's lift up our voice tonight and begin a decree and declare that as mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord is round about us in the name of Jesus. The Lord is round about us <laughs> in the name of Jesus. We are protected. We are preserved. We are protected. We are preserved in the name of Jesus. We are protected. We are preserved in the name of Jesus. We are protected. We are preserved in the name of Jesus. All when are going out and in are coming in, we are protected and we are preserved in the name of Jesus. We are protected. We are preserved in the name of Jesus. There shall be no loss, no loss of job, no loss of client, no loss of life, no loss of property, no loss of opportunity. In the name of Jesus, e kabala bana kido sebilianta rekale kido boshata la bayele monta prakido sekelemande. No loss of favor, no loss of opportunity. In the name of Jesus, no loss of clients. In the name of Jesus, no loss of sanity. In the name of Jesus, no loss of health. In the name of Jesus, e katala baye no loss of relationships. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. God said I should tell someone, and I believe it can be a word for everyone. But he said I should say to someone that in this second quarter, it will bring into your life a destiny relationship that will alter the trajectory of your life. I received that word too. I'm trusting God for new relationships. But I believe that's a specific word for someone. But everyone can connect to it. That in this second quarter, a relationship will come into your life that's going to change the trajectory of your life. My prayer for that person and for every one of us is that God will give us discernment to recognize destiny relationships in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate the Lord Jesus tonight? Hallelujah. Alright, so tonight we conclude our discourse on developing life skills for marketplace relevance and dominance. It's been... Um, a month that we've been discussing that and um, we're calling it a wrap tonight um there are other things i actually wanted to talk about and i won't be able to i'll just mention some things tonight i won't go deep into it i'm trusting god that before the end of the year maybe during our enterprise and career development month i'll be able to mention um some of these things again because before the course of the end of the year we're going to be having an enterprise and career development month that month is going to be dedicated only to that. I thought we are going to be excited about that. Alright. Amen. Alright, so we've spoken about the fact that God wants every one of us to be relevant in the marketplace. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 5 and verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. 
and the salt of the earth. He didn't say you are the light of your locale. He didn't say you are the light of an area. He didn't say you are the light of Ogba or the light of your location. He says you are the light of the world. And you and I know that when you're talking about light, you're talking about relevance, right? You're talking about impact. You're talking about a difference being made, right? It's impossible to introduce light into a place and it will not be recognized. And that's why Jesus went on further to say in that passage of scriptures that no one lights, right, a lamp and puts it under a bushel. That the purpose of the light is not for it to be hidden. The purpose of the light is for it to be relevant. It's for people to see it. Right? So what is happening in that place, also looking back at Genesis 1.26, where the Bible tells us that God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. Right? And let them have dominion. So what God is saying in essence is, I have not just created you to be ordinary. God has not created us as individuals to be ordinary. He expects us to have relevance, right, in every area of life, most especially in the marketplace. And the reason being that the larger percentage of our lives will be spent at work. Have you noticed that you even spend more time at work than you do with your family? You spend more time working than you do with your children. You spend more time working than even the people as a man that you claim to be working for. You spend more time than the time you spend with the one you claim to love. And so, if you're spending a greater part of your life doing something, that thing must require your utmost attention. It simply means you must do that thing well. That thing must turn out well. Am I making sense tonight? And it's, just, it's not just enough for us as believers to have a job. It's not just enough for us to have a career or to have a business. Right? We need to experience relevance. You see, the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment you can experience as a believer is to have relevance. It's to have relevance. It's to have relevance. And after you have experienced relevance consistently, the aftermath will be dominant. The aftermath is going to be dominance. You see, dominance is not something you pray for as it were in the marketplace. All you need to do is to be consistently relevant. And dominance, as a matter of fact, will now begin to show up. So we've spoken about a couple of things that helps us to experience dominance, um, relevance in the marketplace. Very quickly tonight, let's open our Bible to Psalm 78 and verse 72. Psalms chapter 78 and verse 72. Psalm 78 and verse 72. Here the Bible is talking about David. Psalm 78 and verse 72. If you dare say amen. Alright. So the Bible is talking about David here. And the Bible says concerning him that he fed them according to the integrity of his earth and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Did you see that? He guided them or he led them by the skillfulness of his hand. So the reason why David, right, experienced that relevance, you know, I, I think a couple of years ago, um, the nation of Israel was still celebrating David. 2,000 years after his reign. What relevance? 
And one of the reasons is because when you look at, you know, I mentioned in church on Sunday, when you look at someone like David, David was someone that consistently placed priority on his skill level. There was a time his skill set was only relevant for animals, for sheep. And that's why his father put him in charge, right, of the flock. But it got to a time, right, the Bible also tells us in that same wilderness, it developed the skill in playing the harp. He became skillful in playing the harp, which was what gave him his first access into the palace. If you remember, when you read 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Bible says that the day David saw Goliath, David said, I can bring this guy down. And the Bible says that when they mentioned to Saul that there is a guy that is making this claim, the Bible says that Saul asked the question, whose son is he? You know, the first time I read that, I was confused. That, uh, is it that maybe chapter 17 happened before, chapter, you know. But later, the Holy Spirit had to open my eyes to it that it is possible for you to get access or gain access into a place as a result of some specific skill. That does not mean that door will remain open for you if you don't upgrade on your skill level. So it simply means there was a time that Saul no longer needed David to play the harp for him. So David was released. So time has so much passed that Saul did not even remember him again. So if you and I, if you do a detailed analysis of some certain connections God has brought into our lives, you might have lost certain relationships because you did not upgrade your skill sets. And that's why when Saul had about him, this, I said, whose son is this? It was as if he had never met him before. And I said, oh, the son of Jason. And at that time, Saul and David has also developed the skill set of how to use a sling and a stone. And many of us, when we read the Bible, we think that the sling and the stone is just, you know, a toy that a boy is playing with. When you study the medieval army, you will realize that um, there are some um, people they refer to as the infantry. That was their own weapon. The same way you have archers. You had guys that what they use, right, is sling and stones. So, they don't just use normal stones that you had that is stone, small stone. Those are stones, you see, because by the time they roll it and they release it, the velocity with which he eats that person, it incapacitates them. So, it's not just does disabuse your mind from your sudden the body. Ah, a stone and a piece of rag. No, it was an instrument of war. But you know that with a sling and a stone, you cannot attack more than one person per time. And you can only attack from a distance. So David also went on further and he developed the skill of how to use a sword, which he did not have as at the time he killed Goliath. But every other war he fought after that time, he used a sword, not a sling and a stone. And that's why the Bible tells us that he led the people by the skillfulness of his hands. And so you and I, even in, as, the, as we go further during the course of the year, we need to consistently place priority on our skill set. There is nothing spiritual about a believer that is unskillful. Am I making sense tonight? There is nothing spiritual about it. You might know how to pray so much. But like I said on Sunday, but if you are not good at what you are doing, it will affect your witness. It's going to affect your witness. And so we already spoke about don't buy into you. They are not going to buy what you are offering. If the first time people see you, they are already, you know, you put them off. 
They are not even going to wait to listen to what you have to say. So you must learn how to sell yourself. Learn how to sell yourself. The second thing we spoke about is networking skills. That every one of us, we need to develop networking skills. Networking skills. Somebody said humorously, it says your network, say your network is your net worth. That, that, what that simply means your net worth is that net that makes things to work. You know, that without a network, nothing is going to work. So people have said, you know, sometimes, and I understand um, uh, where that perspective comes from, right? Because sometimes when we talk about things like this, some people just feel, oh, since it's network now, so don't, we are not even asking God for anything now. It's about running after people. No. But at the same time, that the same way you need God, you also need people. And the same way you need people, you also need God. Human beings are God's method of getting anything done on the earth. And we said the third skill you need to develop is of excellence. That in everything you do, there must be an excellent approach to it. And the fourth thing we spoke about, which was on Sunday, right, is that you need to develop competence. 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 That is, you have to be the best at what you do. If they, whatever it is that you're doing, your industry, in your place of work, if they are thinking of who can we run to? Who can solve this problem? The first name that should come up is should be your name. Should be your name. If you're in a particular industry or you are dreaming of going into an industry later in the future, your goal shouldn't be, I just want to be successful in that industry. Your goal should be that if you are mentioning the first five or first three people in that industry, my name is going to be mentioned. My name is going to be mentioned. So you are not just doing things, you see, we can only leave this dimension of life when we get rid of the survival mindset. As a believer, you are not in the marketplace to survive. Ah, we are just doing this wicked body and soul together. No, 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 no. You are there to experience relevance and dominance. So the fifth skill you need to develop is loyalty skill. Somebody say loyalty. I can't hear you say loyalty. If you are going to be relevant in the marketplace, you must develop loyalty skill. It's a skill. Loyalty is a skill that must be developed. You see, let me, let, let, let me flesh it out. This is how it works. You see, for you and I, there, there is, I, I think I, I, I said this maybe the second week, that there is no money you are trusting God for. Maybe it was last week, I can't even remember. That there is no money you are trusting God for that is coming from heaven. You know why? Because if God sends money from heaven, it's going to be fake notes. Because they don't spend money in heaven. And God does not produce counterfeit cash. You know they don't spend dollars in heaven. Naira is not spent in heaven. They don't spend CDs in heaven. So most times when you're trusting God, for example, for a particular set of money or a particular amount of money, right? What God is going to do is to give you favor before a particular set of people or a person that maybe you are doing a business or something, the person will now prefer what you are offering and now give you the money. Or maybe you have even added value to that person or those people in time past. God will now bring it back into their remembrance because it's possible for you to add value and be forgotten. That was what happened to Mordecai. But came that God knew that it was a season of elevation for Mordecai. You see, we need to understand, you know, that God does not just do things in a vacuum. He doesn't do things in a vacuum. That's what the Bible says, that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall never cease. 
Everything obeys the law of seed time and harvest. So it was time for Mordecai to go to the next level. So God had to search, do a search. What, has, what is the seed he has planted in the past that we will use to produce the harvest of his lifting? And the Bible says that that particular night, God ensured that the king could not sleep. So he went into his library and he started reading. He started reading. And he saw in a place where it was recorded what Mordecai did years back. How we delivered the king from assassination through poisoning. They recorded it, but he was not rewarded. So he couldn't sleep till daybreak. And in the morning, he said, ah, something must be done about this. And the first guy that came into the court, which was the guy that wanted to, you know, annihilate the children of Israel, God positioned other steps to come at the right time. And he was the one that God now used through the king to elevate Mordecai. Now, we know that that position was not permanent. If you read that story correctly, but God showed him that picture, made him experience that. Because God was trying to tell him, this is soon going to be your permanent state of existence in a matter of months. Because over time, when that guy died, um, I, I don't know what, I, I've forgotten his name, right? Haman, yeah. When Haman died, Mordecai now took over his place. But you see, when you look at Mordecai in that place, one of the things that also helped him was loyalty to the king. Because Mordecai was a Jew in a nation they had been taken captive. But he saw that some people were trying to kill the king. And he delivered the king from being assassinated. Someone else would have said, what is my own? At least they even took us captive. Something a couple of years ago that really changed my life. You know, the Bible tells us that David wrote a letter through the hands of Uriah and told him to give it to Joab. And when Joab opened the letter, the content of the letter was, put the one that delivered this letter. So he was carrying his death warrant without knowing. Or his death sentence. He said, put him where the battle is very hot. Joab saw it. And he did not say anything about it. And he did exactly what David said he should do. Until David died, Joab never attacked him and he never said it to anyone. Why did you think that happened? Years ago, David was serving a man by the name of Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. David had the opportunity to kill Saul several times. In fact, there was a time his servant said, what is it? You don't need to do it. Let us do it. He said, ah, okay. we don't need to do it twice. I'll just strike him once. And he's dead. He said, no one shall touch the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Somebody is trying to kill you. You are saying Lord's anointed. The anointed is gone. You know, that's a perspective that you should have had. That no, 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 this one cannot be an anointed man of God. Another time, he took his water bottle. And when they were leaving in the morning, he shouted his name. He said, oh, king. He said, your soldiers, you should relieve them of their duty. Because I came into your camp tonight, took your bottle, took your spare. And they did not know anything. I would have killed you. And at that point, Saul said, Ah, I will never pursue you to kill you again. The next month, he heard that David was somewhere, he ran after him again. And David, for once, never made any attempt to kill him. That was why, when he also made that error years down the line, the seed of loyalty he had sown spoke for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? And this is how he works in the marketplace. Let me tell you this. People rise in life 
the lesser the amount of people they trust. Trust me, I know what I'm saying. My privilege, I'm connected to some people, powerful people. They don't... In fact, <laughs> I, I was talking, telling First Lady recently, and I can't remember who else. There are certain things my pastor tells me now that I'm wondering, why didn't he tell me years ago? He wanted to be sure. He doesn't need to tell me about but I know that's what he did. He wanted to be sure maybe I was qualified for that level of knowledge. The higher people rise, the lesser the number of people they trust. And when they trust you, they will be willing to do anything for you. Let me tell you this. It is easier for God to use somebody that trusts you to lift you. If we finish praying for three days, or even seven days, or 21 days, fasting and prayer, and we have released this in the realm of the Spirit, but everyone that God can use as an instrument, you're lifting. If they all don't trust you, you might die in that position. Am I making sense tonight? So we must develop loyalty. There are ways to do that, but I can't go. The element of this loyalty is dependability, consistency, trustworthiness. So we might need to begin to develop that. So the next skill we need to develop is the skill of branding. Some of these things, they sound like they are training terms, like marketplace terms. I'm using these terms deliberately. But that's why I keep using scriptural illustrations so that you will know that if I did not even read any business, I've not, I don't think I've read any business book this year. It's been a very busy year. I'm even deliberately de- reading. It's been difficult reading as I used to. So it's not, we are not reading business book trying to teach it in church. We're, you see, everything that people teach, all these things, they got it from the Bible. Where did branding come from? It came from Jacob. Came from the Bible. Well, Jacob said, when he spoke to his father-in-law Laban, he said, "It's time for me to leave because for the past 14 years." And he said, "Okay, so what's going to be your wages?" He said, "My wage is going to be this: that the animals that look this way, that's going to be right, my own wages. That's going to be my animal." You see, when you look at the history of branding, it even it started from livestock. The history of branding is that you create a mark on a particular animal that makes people to distinguish, a farmer to recognize this person's cattle from this person's cattle. You know, I grew up in Ibadan. My second ride was close to Bodija Market. And Bodija Market is well known for cattle rearing. So I saw branding. I didn't know that was what it was there. But we see different names, different numbers. Not names that you would understand on, the, on all those cows. So I used to wonder, what's this? So when they taught us in agriculture, I now understood that, oh, some there were no marks on them, but there were some holes in their ears. So when you see this cattle, you know, ah, this is allergic. So, so, so. so it cannot be mistaken. So that's where branding comes from. So if you want to experience marketplace relevance and dominance, right? Just like Jacob said to Laban, this is going to be my own. So that there will be no mistake. The same way you and I, we must develop a personal brand in the marketplace. What that simply means is that you must be known for something. A brand is your reputation and everybody already has a brand. When your name is mentioned, there is something people think about. You know some people... Your name, what comes to your mind is lateness. What comes to your mind is lateness. Some people, it is discipline. Some people, it is diligence. All those things, it's a brand. Haven't you seen someone before, right? Maybe someone that is used to getting somewhere late. And maybe there is an 
Alright. So you guys decide that, okay, we are going to meet at this particular place at this particular time. If it's someone that is already, that everybody already knows this person is used to lateness. If you now get there and you meet the person there, what do people say? You'll be surprised. Ah, what's wrong? <laughs> is everything. Did you sleep at home? Why? Because that's not that person's brand. The brand is lateness. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we hear the word brand, it's not some very big... Brand is not logo. Brand is reputation. What logo does is that when people see logo, there is something that they remember once they see something. So the experience that they have had comes every time they see that particular logo. What a logo does is that it represents a brand. It is not a brand. People say they want to brand. Now start looking for graphic designer. No, 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 no. That's not branding. Branding is what experience, what is the consistent experience people have with you. That is a brand. And you see, your responsibility in the marketplace is to ensure that there is an alignment between your conscious brand and your unconscious brand because there are two types. Your conscious brand is what you think about yourself or what you want people to think about you. Your unconscious brand is what people are thinking about you that you don't know. So your responsibility, if you want to experience relevance, is to ensure that there is an alignment between what you are thinking about yourself and what people are thinking about you. The next thing, skill we need to develop is time management skills. Time management skills. Time management skills. All these skills, there are messages on their own, but we can't do that again this month. If you're going to be relevant in the marketplace, you must learn how to manage time. You see, time is a convertible resource and time is the unit measurement of life. When you see people who are doing well, consider, say, somebody can achieve success once and never achieve it again. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you see people who are consistently experiencing relevance, who are consistently doing well, one of the things you will notice about them is their value for time. Is their value for time. You see, there is no neutral use of time. Time is either wasted or invested. There is no neutral use. I'm not wasting time and I'm not investing it. You are either wasting it or investing it. And where you and I, where we currently are right now in our lives, is what we have used our time to do, consciously or unconsciously. It might be a bitter pill to swallow, but that's the truth. It is what we have. And so if we're going to experience something better during the course of the year, we must begin to pay much more attention to how we use our time. We need to begin to recognize that the fact that something is urgent does not mean it is important. So we must begin to put our attention and our focus on important things and not just urgent things. The moment something that is important becomes urgent, it turns into crisis. So before things become urgent and before important things become urgent, you must create time for those things. I remember growing up, right... One of the things that he used to say in our denomination was pray so that you will not pray. You know, prayer is important. So they tell you to pray so that you will not, your prayer will not turn into prayer that has to be offered out of urgency. Because if prayer is a consistent lifestyle, I have noticed that anytime my prayer life goes down, there are certain things that happen in my life 
that I consider to be an insult. I feel like ah, at this level, I'm still experiencing something like this. And when that happens, most times I always trace it back to a reduced prayer life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if it becomes a lifestyle, there are certain things, right, that you will not need to pray for. Because you would have put those things at bay. You know, when people go camping, the reason why there is bonfire is so as to drive away wild animals. So when they see the fire, wild animals, you know, they move very far. But when the fire begins to go down, they move closer. So for some of us, the reason certain things are moving closer to you is because the fire is reducing. What are you using your time for? One of the things I did this year, made up my mind, one of the things I, it's not even one of the things I do, the most, the way I relax is I watch movies. And I noticed there's a habit I just developed in the last two years. I started watching series. This year, I just stopped everything. So now I'm only watching maybe two. You know, there was one I was trying to watch last year, and I, as I started, I said, you started this thing again. I just, I did not even finish watching that episode. I just deleted it immediately. Because I realized that watching this thing is not wrong. I'm talking about where I am, the things I want to achieve this year. If I keep watching it that way, I will not achieve it. So effective time management is another skill you need to develop. Next is emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence? It is the capacity to be aware of, control and express your emotions. The capacity to be aware of and control your emotions. In the marketplace, you see, people who have emotional intelligence, beyond discerning, say they are political. Haven't you seen people like that? In every office environment, there are some people that it seems that like they know how to talk to the boss. They have the bosses here. Everybody seems to like them. One of the things that has been discovered recently, I think it has even been published by Harvard Business Review several times, is that nowadays you rise more in the marketplace, more for your emotional intelligence, not your IQ. You can have a high IQ and still be struggling. We'll talk about that later in the year. Last but not the least is problem solving skills. The bigger the problems you solve, uh, the bigger the resources that flow to you and the bigger the relevance you experience. You see, don't run after money, run after problems. When you solve problems, you will become relevant. Because you can't solve problems for people and they will not know where their solution came from. Some will be forgetful, but how cannot be forgetful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some will be forgetful. That's even in the law of life. Jesus healed ten lepers. Nine forgot, but one came back. According to God's creation and order of things, all will not forget. Some may forget, but at least one person will remember. And that one person can compensate for all your hard labor over the years. Problem solving. Problem solving. You see, when you solve domestic problem, you will receive domestic reward. That's why when Joseph was solving problems for his father, ah, go, and switch, go and check your brothers. What was he getting? Domestic reward, coat of many colors. That's what he got. When he got into the house of Potiphar, 
was he solving domestic problems so they put him in charge of the house you know like some people will be in a compound you become the landlord of tenants he's also a tenant too he said, I'll be in charge of the other tenants. <laughs> He's so effective in running the house. He just said, be in charge of the others. <laughs> the landlord will not be able to go for me. They go and represent me. <laughs> so when you begin to solve national problems, which was what Joseph did when he solved the problem of Pharaoh, he enjoyed the national relevance by becoming prime minister. A prime minister of Egypt is not a prime minister of the world. But the day he solved the global problem, because when there was famine globally and everybody started coming to Egypt to eat, that was when he experienced global relevance. To the extent that when he died, he already left a message that don't bury it because I know that the children of Israel are going to live one of these days. He said, carry my bones. He simply means he was not buried anyhow. His bones were, it was still preserved for 400 years. The children of Israel were living and they could still carry his bones. But when his own father was dying, he had so much relevance that the Bible says that in Egypt, it was not an easy a Jewish nation. The Bible says they declared days of mourning. The father of a man that has relevance. Why? Because he solved problems. It wasn't that he prayed for it. That God, let me. The problem most times is believers. We are praying more for what we want, not praying for the things that will get us there. God, I want to be a prime minister. How will you become a prime minister? Because it wasn't that Pharaoh just liked Joseph and said, Ah, fine boy. He looked like a prime minister. Oh. When David was solving domestic problems, what was he also getting? Domestic reward. The day he solved the national problem, when he killed Goliath, what happened? He got a national reward. That's the way it works. The bigger the problem, the bigger the reward. So some of the things we need to begin to pray for sometimes is God, open my eyes to see the problem. Because some problems are useless. They have no reward. My pastor told me something many years ago, about five years ago. He said, don't fight battles without medals. When I see the way some people argue, it still happens today, you know, when I step downstairs, I saw some people fighting. I don't know why people still do that in these days. It's when I see it, it's alien to me. Because what will you gain from that kind of battle? There's no medal. So before you approach a problem, always find out. Number one, have I developed the skill for this? Or maybe the first thing you need to ask is what is the reward? And instead of putting your eyes on the reward, always ask, have I developed the skill to solve this particular problem? If you haven't, then go develop the skill and the capacity to, be, to solve the problem will begin to show up. Father, we thank you tonight. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you because the remaining days of this year will be days of relevance for us. Thank you, Father, because the seed of your word that has been sown in this past couple of weeks, thank you because they will begin to produce their material equivalence in every life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because in the course of the year, kings will arise out of this house. Thank you, Father, because the heads of men and women will be lifted in this house. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because even as we partake of the communion table tonight, 
The Bible says that the disciples, when they went to, with Jesus on their way to Emmaus, the Bible says they could not recognize Jesus. But when Jesus sat at the table with them and broke the bread, the Bible says that their eyes were opened. As a partake of the communion table tonight, I decree and declare that there shall be increase in discernment in the name of Jesus. That our eyes will begin to pop open to see what next to do, to understand the direction in which we need to go in the name of Jesus. That everything that the blood and the body of Christ represents and offers. We decree and declare that tonight it is finding expression in our lives in Jesus' name. Your word says, do this in remembrance of me. As a partake of the body and the blood tonight, I decree and declare healing, deliverance, supernatural supplies in the name of Jesus. As I've declared it, so shall it be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen, amen.